Chapter Thirty Four of Against Odds by Lawrence L. Lynch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Thirty Four. Eureka. At twelve o'clock p.m., a party of men had gathered not far from the house where Mrs. Camp had made her singular discoveries. They came singly and by twos from various directions, and their movements were so quiet as not to have disturbed the lightest of sleepers however near for with one exception all were trained to the business in hand when two of the party had made a careful reconnaissance of the premises they returned to the waiting group there's the door and two windows at the front said one and three windows on the alley the middle one as we know boarded on the inside at the back is a door opening upon a sort of shed and a window in the same and in the angle formed by the shed and the rear of the house proper is another window on the inner side opposite the alley the wall is blank there's no bed in the front room the speaker went on rapidly though someone may bunk there of course there is a watcher in his room two of you must patrol the alley while brainerd cuts out a pane or two of that closed-up alley window to see if anything can be heard through the cracks of those inside boards though it's probable they are padded to deaden sound as for the upper rooms they're sleeping there doubtless and don't forget interposed brainerd in a low half whisper about those iron hooks outside those back windows they're for something more than signalling they're stout enough to support a rope with a man at the end and the rope and the man are both inside no doubt four to the back then i said and you jeffreys take the lead Three to the alley, you and two others, Dave. If the thing's not accessible, divide to back and front. Lossing, can you and Murphy hold me on your shoulders while I try that window? Now, all to our places, and there ought to be a train soon over there. Let's do our cutting under cover of its noise. The Illinois Central Railway was but a little distance from us, and we took our places to await the sound of its first train. But fortune, having baffled and hindered us again and again, seemed now to have relented toward us. Before trying the window, I crept up the steps to examine the lock of the door and judge, if I could, of its security. Lossing, as he still preferred to be called, and Murphy, the policeman, were standing below me, one on either side of the steps, and as I stood at the door above them, I turned and looked about me. All seemed quiet up and down that often unquiet street and the lights from either direction hardly served their purpose there, a fact which had been considered doubtless in making choice of this place. It was after midnight now, and as I heard far away yet the first faint rumble of the train, I put my hand upon the handle of the door. Was it imagination, or did I feel a responsive touch upon the other side? I let my hand rest lightly upon the knob, and waited. Then suddenly as the rumble of the train came nearer i sprang down the steps and crouching at the side of lossing whispered across to murphy lay low and be ready someone's coming out there was no time for more words but i never doubted the readiness of my two helpers nor their quick comprehension of the situation as the rumble of the train came nearer the door opened almost without noise and shut again and softly slowly looking up and down the street but not below him almost within reach 
a man came down the steps paused an instant and stood upon the pavement to feel before he could turn his head a hard grip upon either arm a cold pressure at the back of his neck and simultaneously a low whisper one sound and you are a dead man it was all the work of an instant and so quickly and quietly done that our friends in the alley were not aware of our capture until we had secured our prisoner and lossing had gone to summon dave then still in utter silence we led our first capture across the alley and murphy flashed a dark lantern in his face it was a pallid and cowardly countenance that the light revealed and i was not surprised to recognize the man i had dubbed smug upon the day of my arrival at the world's fair he was trembling violently and thoroughly cowed we had no difficulty in searching his pockets he did not so much as remonstrate perhaps because of the pistol i had now transferred to the hand of lossing by the light of the dark lantern i selected from among a number of keys taken from his pocket a slender one which as it only needed a look upon his face to tell me was the key to the street door listen i said to him holding the lantern high it will be to your interest to help us out and you will find it so if you help to make what we are about to do as easy and quiet as possible we know who are in that house and if we can take them without noise and trouble so much the better for them the place is surrounded they can't escape us is anyone in the front room lower floor he shook his head sullenly you were put there on guard is it not so he blinked under the lantern's rays and i saw that i was right and you thought it would be quite safe to slip out for an hour or two and so it would have been last night or the one before now is delbra on the second floor front you had better tell me he nodded sullenly and bob remember your answers can't injure their case and will benefit yours my word is good is greenback bob there again the sullen fellow bowed his head and how many more exclusive of your prisoner the rascal started and seemed taken with a new panic you had better be quite frank i admonished how many he held up three fingers as well as the handcuffs would permit and a moment later we had left him at the mouth of the alley guarded by two officers while we arranged for our attack one man was left to guard the rear with full instructions covering any and all possible emergencies and one was told off to guard the front entrance while the remaining six were paired lossing with myself at his own request dave and one officer and jeffreys with another murphy we had left with smug and in charge of the party without masters lossing said i want to be with a man that attacks delbra i owe it to him when jeffreys had heard him he declared delbra his prey but i also had my word to say jeffreys might serve his warrant and bear off the captive from the city but he could only take him when i had failed and so it was arranged when all was ready we waited six of us upon the steps of the gloomy house until after what seemed an hour and was in reality ten minutes had passed and then a long freight train came rumbling cityward as it came near i inserted the key in the lock carefully and turned it slowly and without noise and while the sound still covered our careful movements 
we entered the hall leaving the officer in charge of the door then when dave and his companion had entered the front room and stood ready to move upon the watcher through the door behind the screen trusting the other door to the watchful eye of the guard at the front we crept upstairs with that sideward movement which ensures one who has the patience to try it a silent if slow passage to the top in single file at the top we separated and we lossing and myself took our places at the door near the front jeffreys listened at the two rear doors to make sure of the location of his prey and at a signal which the guard below passed on to dave we moved each armed with a dark lantern to the attack i could hear lossing's breath close beside me as i carefully and slowly tried the knob of the door and found that it yielded silently the house was an old one and we saw as we slowly opened the door that the lock was only a fragmentary one there was on the other side only a handle like that without holding our lanterns low we glided in and were halfway across the room when i raised the lantern and turned its light carefully toward the bed from whence long guttural breathing told of a sleeper unconscious of our nearness with lantern in one hand and pistol in the other i made a forward step as i saw by the ray thrown across the bed the form and face of delbras and then suddenly beneath my foot something cracked and burst with a sharp explosion only a parlour match but it brought the sleeper to a sitting posture and broad awake in a moment he did not seem to so much as have seen me but his eyes and lossings appeared to meet and challenge each other and quicker than i can tell it he had bounded from his bed snatching something from under the pillow as he sprang something that glittered in his hand as he hurled himself upon lossing and the two grappled and swayed with the knife gleaming above their heads held thus by the strong hand of the english athlete as i sprang to place my lantern upon the table at the bed's head that it might help me to see and to aid lossing a shriek rang from the room at the rear and the next moment i saw the knife sent flying from the hand of delbras and the two go down still struggling a moment i watched them struggling there and then somehow the villain wrenched one hand free and gripped it with an awful clutch upon glossing's throat the next there arose from below a succession of screeches that might have issued from the throat of a bedlamite once and again i had tried to interfere in lossing's behalf but the effort seemed useless until as the screams from below ceased suddenly i sprang past the two and turning suddenly struck at delbras with my clubbed pistol i had aimed at the arm clutching at my friend's throat but a sudden movement brought the villain's head in sharp contact with the butt of the pistol and his hold suddenly relaxed and he lay stunned and at our mercy when lossing not much the worse for his tussle but somewhat short of breath had arisen and shaken himself together i said he's only stunned and will soon come too shoot him if he stirs before i come back and i ran to the room in the rear what had happened there can be soon told when jeffreys opened the door of the rear room which did not boast a lock he saw a lamp burning dimly upon a shelf in a corner upon the bed opposite a woman and a man both sleeping and under the one window a coil of rope ladder as if ready for use the face of the woman was ghastly pale and her sleep must have been very light for suddenly she opened her eyes 
and seeing the officer uttered the cry which at first only caused her lord and master to growl out an oath and turn over whereupon she clutched at him wildly and cried to the men to leave them they would give themselves up if only the officers would withdraw and permit them to rise and dress the man meantime seemed to awaken slowly and to be dazed and stupid and he paid little heed to his wife's cries as he dragged himself to a sitting posture you'd better get up said jeffreys sternly and give up you're all in for it possibly the shrieks that came from below at that moment convinced him for he answered with a scowling face i guess i know when i'm beat if you'll shut the door or turn your back so my wife can get up i'll be quiet enough shut up sue all right said jeffreys and the two officers drew back from the door and jeffreys drawing it half shut said with his eye upon the man now the lady first and pistol in hand he waited the one window was opposite the door and the bed close beside it so that the half-closed door concealed from jeffreys both window and woman he heard her spring up and at the instant almost a slight scraping sound then suddenly at the very moment when i stepped from the farther room the light went out there was a bound an oath a shrill whistle and as i reached the door the flash of a bull's-eye and two pistol shots came close together as i sprang into the room the light revealed an open window with the rope ladder half out half in and upon the floor beneath it greenback bob with jeffreys kneeling upon his breast and the attendant officer with pistol aimed and bull's-eye in hand at his head upon the bed weeping and moaning piteously lay the woman her face buried in the pillow i went to her and put her hand upon her arm she lifted toward me the most woeful face as it has ever been my lot to see and said with mournful apathy don't fear i don't want to escape i knew the end must be near and she dropped back with an air of utter exhaustion upon her pillow i turned to assist jeffreys in securing greenback bob who now that his pretence of stolid apathy had failed him was an ugly customer to deal with and who was resisting with all his strength and filling the air with blasphemy it was necessary to secure him hand and foot and we had but just completed the task when dave came bounding up the stairs eureka he cried it's a complete catch and trent's alive and the happiest man in chicago or the world hello he had glanced at the prostrate counterfeiter and his last exclamation was in answer to a voice from the room where i had left lossing guarding the senseless delbras following dave's significant gesture i went with him to the door of the room where to my surprise delbras his face quite bloodless with rage and weakness together was slowly dressing himself under the sternly watchful eye and steadily aimed pistol of sir carroll ray the latter had gathered the garments together while delbras lay unconscious keeping a watchful eye and ready weapon the while and had placed them close at his side first removing from a pocket a small sheathed knife and now with his own weapon in hand and those of delbras collected on the table at his side he was compelling the frenchman to make his toilet at the point of the pistol and his set face left in the mind of the enraged and baffled rascal no room to doubt him when he said unless you have put on those garments within a reasonable time i will call a pair of policemen to dress you and if you make one sound or movement other than in obedience 
I will shoot every bullet in this weapon into your body and do it with pleasure How was it I asked Dave while his toilet was proceeding and we stood ready for the trick or attempt at resistance We more than half expected from the Frenchman. I guess you heard it about all Trent lay there wide awake mighty blue and too weak to lift his head and a big negress was half dozing in her chair by the bedside with a pistol at her elbow she made a grab for it and yelled as you probably heard Trent was assaulted and half killed nursed back to life for what there was in it and has just come to his senses Awfully weak but game enough to resist their efforts to make him appeal to his father for a big ransom That's all I've had time to hear End of chapter 34